Peter, it feels like it's been a hundred years since we were here recording the last time. And I think that's, I mean, it was last Tuesday. That's crazy. Tuesday before last. Like today is Wednesday, right? Yes. God, I don't know anymore. Yeah. But we recorded last Tuesday, so over a week ago. So much has happened since then, my friend. What a what a spectacle of a journey to England, as they say. What a magical country this is. And Peter, I got to go to England at one of the strangest times in the country's history. Was there something going on over there? There was this uh, something... <laughs> The, the best joke I heard the whole time, which it's not a joking matter, but she lived to be 96. It's not like she was killed at the age of 50 or something. You know, it's not like a, a young tragedy. They said, are they really going to do this again in six months for Charles? And I said, God, that's real hopeful for Charles. They don't like Charles. Even the people who like the queen, I don't think they like Charles. My mom, I asked her, I said, and my mom, you know, she goes to England almost every year to the UK. She has been before for Wimbledon's. She goes in the summer. She's been a lot for that. She's also gone for uh, magical uh, things like Adele. She said to me one time, and I've got to bring this up. We brought it up on the thing about her going to Adele, right? And thinking she was going to get stabbed. Yeah. She brought up another story to me about when they went to Paris. And she said, I don't like Paris very much. I said, why, mom? She said, well, we were on the train and these men kept staring at us. And I'm going, all right, well, is it, are you giving me a mom story or is this going to be real? And she goes, and then they tried to follow us off the train. And I go, oh, shit. And she goes, and then we hopped back on the train before the door closed and we got away. She said, that would never happen in the tube in London. I said, okay, I'm going to take this to heart. Now, Peter, something very odd happened to me at the very beginning of this trip. And it let me know that everything was going to be cool. Let me know everything was going to be okay. Did I let you know who I ran into at the airport? I know who was on the plane with you. You know who was on the plane with me. That's what we're getting at. Now, in the lore of uh, another famed country that is near the UK, of Ireland, if you see a leprechaun, you're supposed to get good luck. You're supposed to find the gold. But in the tradition of London, when you're flying to Heathrow, if there's a member of One Direction on your flight, <laughs> you're going to have a great time in the UK. And pardon my voice, uh, I do not have COVID or anything. I have some kind of cold, but I think mostly we'll get into why uh, my voice is gone. Turns out when I don't smoke weed, I'm wild. And at one point, I think I screamed at Allie, I could punch a hole through the whole earth. And she goes, we need to get you some weed. <laughs> but I get to the flight and uh, Liam of the band One Direction is on my flight. And at first I said, well, is this just another hunky chav who's riding the plane and then i of course being the historian of one direction lore that i am i i matched up the hand tattoos to prove it was him i didn't have any more conversation than the head nod hey uh but it was liam from one direction on my flight he did sit in the first class section i did not i got on that flight though peter and i had intentions in my heart of sleeping the whole time which sounds crazy it's an eight hour flight but I took an edible. I took four Zequil gummies, the natural ones without all the extra nonsense in it. And I got in that plane and I slept until they said we have about an hour until we land. Beautiful. Now, they fed us and they offered me the option. And I was already just delighted with their voices. But they offered me the option of a cheddar biscuit or a ham and cheese bagel. And I went with a ham and cheese bagel 
It was horrible. And I got to say this, all food that I ate on planes was horrible. And that's why I got to say, Jerry Seinfeld wasn't wrong. He's wrong about a lot of things. He was wrong about fucking 17-year-olds. You shouldn't do that, Jerry Seinfeld. But he was not wrong about airline food. What is the deal with airline food, Peter? It is not good. This was the saddest, stalest bagel I've ever had. We'll get into the other meal I had on the way home. I think the international's worse. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Well, I think I ate maggots on the way home. I'm not sure. We'll get into it. When we landed, that wasn't the part that was the weirdest for me. I was already having to understand that. And I tried to prepare, Peter, for the cultural shift by watching all of the Austin Powers movies, which are now on Netflix, the days before I went to England. Because I figured if, if Austin knows it, it must be of their culture. So I watched all the Austin Powers movie. They did not teach me this. I landed and they said, if you would like to donate any spare change to the children's charity scheme, please drop it off at the front. And my first thought what? in this like brain of mine was, oh, they're just saying the quiet part loud. Like they're past the American Republicans. They're saying the quiet part loud. Turns out a scheme is just like a plan or a thing you do there. It's not used in the like, we're going to scheme them. It's not used in that same regard. So when I landed and was told that I should give some money to the children's charity scheme, I was a little confused. And then I was like, wait a second, hold on. This is a scheme isn't a bad thing. A scheme is like, like a scheme would be like, we're scheming to raise money for the children. Not like we're scheming money from the children. We're going to raise money for the children and use it to scheme other people. So I'm already kind of like shifted and thrown off. I get in and I'm very nervous about this customs thing because we're not going in as just people as tourists as like, Hey, we're going to visit. We're going in on a work visa. I'm officially, uh, if you look at my passport, F E E as an entertainer is what it says on my visa. And I now have work visas for both Japan and for the UK, but I'm first testing it out in the UK. Now, Peter, I'm going to be gone starting this Friday when I go to Los Angeles until October 5th in Japan. And I'm about to get into all of the stuff in the UK I do think this episode is going to have to be split over two portions, which I think will cover us next week. There's not saying that we're dragging this out, but like we're going to cover some things, Peter. There's, had, a, there's a cliffhanger that you've clued me into, and boy, yeah, I got to say we've, we've had some of the best times on this trip. But as a group, we also dealt with some things. And speaking to Tony Depp, and he said that this reminded him more of the olden day trips of GCW, and I kind of said, "Well, I hope not all of it." Uh, I land in London, in London Heathrow, and obviously there's a sadness in the air as if everyone's grand has died, you know, uh, all at once. And I didn't know too much about, and we talked last week about, you know, you know, keep your feelings to yourself. If people are sad about the Queen, be sad. A lot of people in England don't like the Queen, but in London, you're not going to find that. So I get to the counter and, you know, I think no matter who you are, when you're talking to customs and borders you get a little nervous anyway i don't have anything with me I have my, all my papers are legal but i had to wait a while because she had no clue what to do she's like i don't even know what to do with this work visa so we had to wait for the supervisor and he had to come in he was like i don't even know what to do with this eventually stamped through there's a guy arguing with the customs there because he's like the electronics don't work let me through and they're like we don't want to let you through you've got to queue you've got to queue everyone loves to queue in england we know this this is a fact I learned more about queuing in these few days than I could ever imagine. <laughs> now, when we left, I left Atlanta at 10 p.m. And we are five hours ahead at GMT time in London. So five hours ahead, uh, I land, I guess, at 11.30 in the morning, noon. At that point, I meet up with Cole Radrick. I meet up with uh, John Wayne Murdoch. 
And Allie Catch, she had to get another flight. She did not get in in time. Everyone else was supposed to get in around 8 or 9 that night, but we were there at noon. And luckily, you know, Ross picked us up with Progress and took us to the hotel. I'm already learning things here. At the hotels there, they do not require you show identification. Interesting. Why would you know there's a room in someone's name if it wasn't your name? That was sort of their method. But I didn't even have to show my passport to get my room key. Now, for this... This uh, the Ibis where we stayed near the airport, which Heathrow, not very close to anything fun, but it is you know a big airport, so there's a lot of cheap hotels around there, and it was nice being next to the airport for when we were leaving back home. But we landed, and I was like, "Listen, we've got an option here. We can sit around and wait for people to show up, or we go into London." And myself, John Wayne Murdoch, and Cole Radrick said, "Fuck it, we're going to London." Before we got there, though. Now, I'm going to Japan, right, Peter? And so I'm trying to be more respectful. And I met a Japanese tourist there who was staying in London. And she came with me to the same area of the hotel that I was staying in. And the elevators weren't working. This is where I'm going to say I probably should have learned some Japanese, Peter. I don't know any Japanese at all. Arigato. But I was told that was even too American to say there's better ways to say thank you. The elevators weren't working, and I was trying to tell this woman, I'll carry your bags up the stairs. She had very large bags. So she said, really? Okay. I said, yes. I took the bags. They're not as heavy as my bag. But she now starts to take my bag. And I'm going, no, I'll get it. I'll come back down and get it. So she's heaving this 50-pound suitcase with all my merch and my jacket and all this shit up the stairs. Well, I have her two lighter suitcases, and I'm just trying to help her, but I can't convince her not to. So we're both heaving it all the way up the stairs. And I was like, if I even knew a little bit of Japanese, I could have helped us both out. But she probably would have still grabbed it. Also, pardon my mouth, I have a bit of a cough drop in because I don't want to. You're just going to have to deal with it. I've got a cough drop in. So after heaving everything up the stairs, I finally get in the room. I set everything down. I said, look, we're going to London. We get in an Uber, me, Cole Radrick, John Wayne Murdoch, and he goes, where do you want to go? I said, just drop us off near shit. So he takes us right <laughs> down to the beautiful River Thames. We're right near a big train station, uh, and we went to have our first meal in London. And at this point, you know, I'm a few hours without weed. I'm not bad. I'm good. If anybody tells you weed is not addictive, they're wrong. I'm going to tell you this. They're, they're wrong. Yeah. Uh, it is. I... Smoke a lot of weed, people. I'm just going to tell you. And not having weed, I was feeling a kind of jittery I haven't felt in a long time. Uh, I'm saying this almost as a sidebar to say, hey, people are nervous about the matches I have in Japan. I'd be nervous for my opponents. We'll get into more of that later. Strong style Effie comes out when he does not have weed. We decided, hey, we have this day off in London. We were back in Camden on Sunday, which is another part of London. But this sort of central London touristy district... I wanted to have time to explore it. And we were going in right at the time when the memorial procession and all of the uh, events surrounding the Queen's death were happening. This is like, I mean, this is a historic time. I just started watching The Crown season one, Peter, because I figured I was over there. I was feeling it. And there was, I didn't even know all the history of this when, you know, the original king abdicated to go marry a divorced woman. And then his brother took over, which was Elizabeth's dad. And then he had a lung removed and he had to get out. And then she stuck with it. The empire through World War II, through all of it. She's been there forever. She's now gone. Every storefront has their windows blacked out. 
They all have signs of in memoriam. Everywhere you go, there's signs of the queen. Businesses are still open. Things are still happening. But everything is at a, uh, a, a shush level. And there's so many people who have come in from other places to see this. We got off right near Buckingham Palace. But I wanted to eat, like I said first. What do you think the first thing I ate in England was? Fish and chips, bro. Good. With a big side of it's mushy peas. the only peas. good thing that... Oh. oh, I love the mushy peas, Peter. See, I've gotten some flack on the mushy peas. The mushy peas are essential to the, to the fish meal. Because you've got the fries, the chips, as they call them. And they call chips crisps. I don't know. I'm not teaching you anything you don't know. Mm-hmm. This isn't a big, like... This is all stuff I've had to unlearn as a... As a yeah. As a citizen of the British <laughs> sovereign nations or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's... I love I love that people are sad and I, mean, I don't I don't love that people are good for them that they're sad yeah. but um everyone from my home country is celebrating at the moment. Yeah, it turns out everyone in every other part of England that we went to if they're not from London, they were screaming Liz is in a box, Liz is in the mud. Okay? But we had to go and be respectful first, okay? Now we took one of the colonies from Liz, I think, back in the 1700s. She wasn't around then. I don't know. I don't know the story of America. Paul Revere used to run down the streets of Cobblestone or something. It doesn't fucking matter. All that shit is made up. It's as made up as the Avengers. We just tell these things to children so that they think that we come from a place of honor and respect. American history is actually just trash on trash, on blood, on slavery. People go, oh, they came over here for religious freedom. Yeah, it was the religious extremists that were yeah, coming over here. Yeah, it was the nutters, here, and That's dude. the foundation of our country. I just listened to that whole last podcast about the Salem witch trials. Fucking crazy. Did I get you? Because I looked at their Twitter randomly, and I was like, oh, Effie follows them. And I was like, I don't remember. I know you've been on yeah. their wrestling show and everything, yeah. but I felt partially responsible You are partially that. responsible. I didn't get into it until later, so I'm, okay. I'm honored to it. And it was also one of those, like, we've talked about that of... What the fuck? I can't believe that I like this this much when I was on this. I was like, yeah, I'll do your fucking podcast, Ben Kissel. What do you want? You want to talk to Effie? Okay, cool. Great. <laughs> we wandered. We went to Buckingham Palace. Now, all of it is pretty much closed off because they were getting ready for the whole procession and everything. But you walk through this queue, which they don't care what's at the end of the queue, we found out. They don't care what the queue is. They don't care how long it is. They want to wait in the queue. They bring stools to the queue. They bring snacks to the queue. They're rude to each other a little bit if you don't follow the queue. There's a lot of queue rules that are not... You don't get a pamphlet when you land about the queue. But we walked to Buckingham Palace, and it's, you know, it's an older set of people that are going to do this, and it doesn't seem like a lot of the youth are that interested. But we went through, and people are just throwing flowers. I mean, this is one of the best business things I've ever seen, which was guys selling bundles of flowers that people were then going to throw about 10 feet away. I was like, dude, just go scoop them back up in a minute, re-throw them. That's like free profit. This is unlimited profit to go leave flowers on the ground. There were horses. I love horses. I don't know why it tripped me out so much that there were dogs there, but it did. I was like, I didn't know they had dogs over here. They've had dogs longer than America's existed. I'm a fool. But I was just like, look at these dogs. Now, They're I British. See- <laughs> They are very British, British dogs, a lot of hounds and terriers and whatnot. But I did see a dog that looked exactly like Bebop. And Bebop is a cattle dog rat terrier. I know this was the exact dog. This dog was so well-trained that it gave me hope. Because Bebop's crazy. He's fucking nuts, okay? I left him with AJ for five days, and I came home, and he was like, he told me kind of like Bebop was a little out of control. And I was like, every time we talked, you told me it was all fine. And he goes, because you told me not to stress you out when you're overseas. And I go, <laughs> okay, all right, I get it now. So I'd be like, how's Bebop? And be like, he's doing so good. And then I think of that little dog and I go, oh my God, he's already getting trained. He's learning. No, not at all. AJ's just keeping me out of the loop. 
We continue wandering. We go down to the London Eye, which is the big Ferris wheel. We walk past Big Ben. This town is so full of people. Like, I know London's a busy city. It's a busy city. But all the streets are closed. There are police everywhere. I will say this about the police. There's things that are right and things that are wrong about British police. The thing that's right, they have really silly hats that you want to go boink and boink them on the head. And they don't have guns. That's great. Here's the other thing they have right. And I discussed this with a few British people. I said, you guys have really hot women cops. They said, duh, here's why. (laughs) Apparently, if the lads are fighting in the street, if they're drunk, if you put a hot woman in the middle of it, they get so embarrassed that they won't continue fighting. Amazing. So they use these beautiful women cops as a way to stop these dumb, drunk idiots from fighting each other. And so you've got this mix of like regular looking people Super buff, roided out dudes and hot girls. That's the cops there. No one has a gun. Now, they do have knives there. That's apparently a thing. We're going to get into it. But I was much more, I felt like I was more willing to get in a fight in England because I didn't have the threat of a gun. They're like, they could stab <laughs> Or a <you."> hot woman. <laughs> well, you know, the hot woman can't stop me for that long. I respect hot women, but, you know, like, it's, if, if we're talking in the world of kayfabe, Effie, you can catch these hands. I don't care. Uh, kayfabe, kayfabe. I'm not gonna hit a woman. I don't know. It's a. I'm. I'm all for equality. But these, they were capable. I'm not saying that they were just there because they're hot. I'm sure they went through the two week training course too, because they don't. The notoriously, they don't train these cops very well. It's no. sort of like, eh, you can go out there. You want to wear a hat? You want a hat? But they also had like the cops, but they also had like the safety people. So they were there too. There was a whole different division for that. It didn't seem like anyone knew what they were doing, but that they needed to be there. But all the roads are closed. You can just wander through the streets. I saw Trafalgar Square. We went down to Piccadilly Circus. All right. Now, Peter, by the time we got to Piccadilly Circus, we're looking around going, we ain't going to find no weed. All right. Now, I'm going to politely tell this story as politely as I can, but people are going to know what's going on. I went into one of these side stores, and I'm not going to include anyone else that was with me as a part of this story. But I went into one of these side stores, and I said to the guy, what the fuck? I said, is that VHS head cleaner? And he said, yeah, it is. And I said, just for sale in the open? He said, yeah. I said, you know what? Let's be a bad boy today. (laughs) Did I buy a little bit of VHS head cleaner like a good gay boy would? Yeah, I did. Did I wander the streets of London with a little bit of a head high from the VHS head cleaner? Yeah. Is it traditional in my culture of gayness? Yeah, it totally is traditional. I've had people after shows come up to me, the gays come up to me and they go, do you want to try artisanal poppers? And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I do. But without anything else, I was like, you know what? Let's just cool this thing down. So just understand while we're walking past Big Ben and uh, Westminster Abbey and the London Eye, I'm a little bit head high on some VHS head cleaner from the Piccadilly Circus side store. It was incredible. They also have a Bob Marley musical playing there in the West End. Lovely. Didn't find any weed. Uh, here's one thing that threw me off. It is in the Patreon video, patreon.com slash weekend at Effie's. Now, luckily for everyone on the Patreon, AJ is with me in Japan next week. He forces me to take pictures and videos of everything. I did not have service. My phone kept dying. I tried to get as much as I could. I did not cover as much as I could while I was in London. I'm going to try harder in Tokyo. We did get a full five minute video out of it. It's the longest video we've had, Mm. but it was a long time. We probably could have found more. The Shrek Adventure, okay, it's right next to this giant Ferris wheel on the River Thames across from Westminster Abbey. It's You explore Shrek's swamp, okay? Now, this isn't that crazy, but 
I'm thinking this American DreamWorks movie with Mike Myers doing a fucking Scottish accent. The worst part of the Shrek adventure, we did not pay to go in. They make a woman dress up like the ugly bartender with the unibrow as a part of the children's experience. You go to ugly Tabitha's bar and she like lets you meet Puss in Boots. This is a part of it. This is so bizarre, right? Well, as we're walking through the London Eye, we see Shrek. Shrek is great. I just, I was just happy to see Shrek. Was Puss in Boots like a guy dressed in a cat suit? I think it was like a video that you react to. Okay. Or like a hologram of a Puss yeah, in Boots. That's I'm probably better. Entirely sure. You remember when Donkey fucked that dragon and they had dragon donkey yeah, babies? Yeah. Remember when everyone was like, Shrek fucking rules. Shrek does fucking rule. Do you remember when they named that guy Lord Farquaad so that it would sound like Shrek was saying Lord Fuckwad? Lord Fuckwad. Yeah, I dude. didn't even put that together. Yeah, it's incredible. I think John Lithgow played Lord Fuckwad. I believe you're right. Yeah, I love John Lithgow. Um, he's in uh, The Crown as well, so. Did you watch Dexter? I have not watched Dexter. I was thrown off by it. John Lithgow is the best villain in. People are going to roast me that show. I haven't seen Dexter. I, I feel watch, it already. Watch the first four seasons. Don't go past that and just pretend that that's all they made. Okay, that's fair. I've heard that from others. Aren't they bringing it back? I think they already did, and it was and like it was really bad. bad. Well, that's what you get. They should have put him in a laboratory with Dee Dee. That should <sighs> always work for been me. Amazing. That was my favorite cartoon when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Dexter rules. Dee Dee. I, I can't do voices today. My voice is so shot. And I've been streaming playing Splatoon as well on Twitch, so I gotta hit these hours, baby. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be streaming. I think we're gonna have a lot better Wi-Fi in Japan though. England does not have great Wi-Fi in any aspect. It's I just would be like I'd have like one bar and I'd be like, I have a phone, I love you, bye. And that'd be the the whole of my Wi-Fi. In this park is where we first notice a queue. We're walking and we're going like there's no signs. There's nothing that tells you what the queue is. And we walk another 10 blocks following this queue. And we keep following this queue. It goes through streets, side streets, in front of streets, in front of buildings. It's the queue to see the Queen's Memorial. Now, we thought we saw her earlier. We're stupid Americans. We did not see her. This queue is like apparently like a 20-hour queue. But everyone knew where to go. They knew where to queue. No one had any question of it. No one knew where it started or ended. But the thing is just queuing. They're magic at queuing. And I think that that was the queen's last gift to everyone was the ability to queue up a line no matter what. London got, it got crazier as the sun started going down and things seemed, the energy shifted. And I'll say this, I could see how Jack the Ripper could get away with some things in London. I've, uh, I've been around dark cities before. It felt like it went from like the jolly times of London to like, oh, okay, fog is going to roll in and we're all going to, feel like the the pains of the 1800s again it's a beautiful city don't don't get me wrong it is scary looking after dark in london now the crew we had me cole radrick john wayne murdoch we're a pretty american looking crew but we figured out some things and we found our way into the tube into the tube tunnel and we rode the best it's so good the best it's clean here's the thing though y'all don't have fucking air conditioning what the fuck is going on? Y'all don't have air conditioning. And when you go in those tube tunnels, you are immediately reminded of how hot it is. It is so hot. Now, none of us, when I took off on the plane, Tony Deppin texts me before I even take off. And he goes, do you have the charger thing that shifts it to UK? And I was like, no, Tony, I don't. Do you have one for me? He was like, no, I just, you should know. And I was like, 
Sounds like you're telling me a little too little too late here, pal. Sounds like you're just rubbing it in my face that you do have one. Let's just be honest. None of us had our phones on. So flying by the seat of our heart, we were like, I think we can figure this tube out. Trust your gut. I have no service anyway, phone dead or alive. We got on that tube and we figured it out. We rode that train all the way back to Heathrow. I got in one of those silly ass taxis. Now I would tour around in one of those taxis. Those things are fun. They have the new models and they all look like the old time taxis, but they've got the, the bucket seats that are kind of facing each other. So you can fit six whole motherfuckers in there. We get back to the hotel as everyone's sort of arriving and kind of just take it in. We all start talking. Jimmy Lloyd finally makes it in. Now, Jimmy Lloyd is actually who set up this whole UK tour to begin with. He went over a long time ago and Jordan Oliver had been over as well to TNT. And he said, how crazy would it be if we ran against GCW here and did that show. So God bless Jimmy Lloyd. He made that happen for us. But for the night we were in London, the bus was going to arrive at eight in the morning for us to ride to Liverpool. It was a very short time in London. No show there. This was just the easiest way to get there was to come in early. This bus was uh, not big enough. Now, I want to describe to you who was on this bus. It was myself, Tony Deppin, Ali Catch, Joey Janela, Matt Cardona, Jimmy Lloyd, Nick Wayne, Jordan Oliver, Blake Christian. I'm trying to think of who else was there. We had some more people here. Uh, Matt Cardona. Did I say Matt Cardona? At one point, I woke up on a nap. He, did, in he deserves a special mention just because, I don't know. He's well, just ridiculous. He's a, he's a really <laughs> incredible human being. Like The more you're around Matt Cardona, the more you're like, holy shit, you're the one. Like You're the dude. I even said to him at one point, I go, dude, with this much heat and all you've been doing... You're going to be the only one that's cool enough to fight Roman Reigns for the belt. And he was like, I'm not going back there. Look at how much fun I'm having. I woke up in the middle of this nap and I kind of look up and I was like, you ever do that thing? I like to play a game in my life called uh, you're 90 years old and you're on life support and you're thinking back to moments in your life and trying to relive them. So I just go this and I open my eyes and here I am at the ripe old age of 32 living in my young self, looking up at fucking Zack Ryder on a mini bus through England as we go to Liverpool together to wrestle and it's bizarre and it's awesome. And he's a part of the crew. He's a part of the game. Uh, God, there's, I'm just thinking of a visual when I opened an elevator at one point and it's just Jimmy Lloyd and Matt Cardona together. And I was like, this is the two opposite ends of the wrestling spectrum and y'all are together waiting for an elevator. And it's the most cool thing I've ever seen. They should be a tag team. That's all I'm going to say. Nick Wayne's mom was also with us on this bus and poor Nick Wayne's mom. Those men, all try to hit on her so hard. And poor Nick Wayne for having to deal with it. She is wonderful and gorgeous and sweet and kind and takes care of everybody there. Stop hitting on Nick Wayne's mom, please. This bus was not big enough for all of us. We're on there. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else was with us. Obviously, Cole Radrick, John Wayne Murdoch was in there. Cologne was with us at this point. His flight got in kind of late. Uh, there's a lot of us on this bus, as you can hear. We stop at the first rest area. And Jimmy Lloyd runs up to me just with joy in his heart. And I had brought a vape with me. And let me tell you, Peter, I've not had vape in days because I think England got it out of my system. Honest to God. Oh, good. I was disgusted by it just because every single person everywhere at every point is vaping. Everyone. The whole fucking island is covered in a fog. It's not fog. It's vape smoke. <laughs> <coughs> we stop at one of the service plazas and I'm already like blown away. Because the candy selection is different. The food selection is Ooh, different. What candy did you get? 
Well, of course, I got lots of licorice all sorts. I got all kinds of chocolates. The Cadbury chocolates are so good. They are. Uh, they have all the different Kit Kats and all the different Twix flavors. They have all the different Skittles. They have the puffy uh, cloud Skittles that are incredible. Um, I like wine gums. I like, and this is what they're called, midget gums. I know the term is little people gums, but these are called midget gums on the bag. So I'm going with that. I think it's just because they're small little gums. Mm-hmm. But then the milk selection, the flavored milk selection, where they have like Snickers milk and Twix milk and Butterfingers milk. It's very odd. And then they have sodas like Warhead soda. And they have Chupa Chup strawberry and cream soda. Like the amount of bizarro drinks out here is so fascinating. Chupa Chups were my shit when I was a kid. Chupa Chups are a luxury. And uh, Salvador Dali designed the logo. Did he? Mm Mm-hmm. That's why they're so sickening. Mm-hmm. He's a genius. And I, I always liked looking at the the little wrappers of them, but the flavor of the Chupa Chup is really what keeps you going back. Mm-hmm. The Chupa Chup soda, however, fucking fantastic. Did you have any real Fanta? Oh, my God. Isn't it amazing? Uh, by the last day of the trip, I was going, Allie, have you had a Fanta yet? And she's like, will you shut the fuck up? You've said it every 10 minutes since we've been here. And I was like, <laughs> but the so Fanta's good. different, Allie. It has real juice. In the video, if you saw it on the Patreon, I got an Orangino, which is a French orange soda that is similar to the kind of, it's a lightly sweeter than the Fanta that they have there, but there's still the real orange juice. And she just goes, would you get an Orangina? And I fucking <laughs> lost it. Bussy drinking Orange China was my fucking, the best. We're here and they just, I noticed right away, there's just vapes everywhere. Jimmy's like, I thought they wouldn't have vapes. There's vapes everywhere. Now, little do we know. There's a lot of 2% vapes. Jimmy didn't know. He was like, these vapes don't work. I was like, Jimmy, that's a 2% vape. We used to 5% vapes in the U.S. I ate some chicken satay. The food's just great over there. And what I was told by uh, the lovely Shea Purser, who we're going to have a lot of conversations about, who was our kind of magical Welsh guide in all of this, who came into town to help us out, uh, he said, Ali, you don't need any 3 or 4X. We have a sugar tax. He doesn't talk like that. This is the only British accent I can do right now. We have a sugar tax. I, I wouldn't bring anything over a 2X. And I thought that was the funniest shit I've ever heard. They do have a sugar tax. It doesn't mean you can't get these things or get sodas or get sugars. But I didn't need to sell anything over a 2X, really. It was kind of nice. We get back on this bus. We're vaped out. We're vibing. But we're just, we're being kind of degenerates. Now, people refer to this as the bus ride from hell. And they imagined with the GCW roster in there that it would be crazy. But let me be clear. We are strangers in a strange land. We only have what we can get our hands on. This is not your normal GCW road trip. This is us going like, what is happening? We have no clue. There's sheep and fields. And then you get into Liverpool. Now, Peter, what, what, is, your, what is your relationship to Liverpool? It's a dirty place that a lot of my favorite bands come out of just because they have the necessity to leave that place. It's the most wonderful, magical place. Now, I, I've i said before about Las Vegas. I also supported Liverpool when I was a kid. So. Uh, the football club. Mm-hmm. I said about Vegas, Sodom and Gomorrah must have been pretty fucking bad if God lets Vegas stand. If she just looks down and says Vegas is okay to live. Liverpool is Sodom and Gomorrah. And I mean that in all senses. It is... And I had the the rose-colored glasses on when we got there to Liverpool. And we've got a long time before we get into the worrisome stuff. Don't worry. The the only difference between Liverpool and Sodom and Gomorrah is that you don't turn into a pillar of salt, you turn into a pillar of ecstasy. This is correct, Peter, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um... (laughs) So we, we get there and you're immediately 
It looks very different from London. It is a city also on a river in a port, but there is a very different energy and atmosphere. Everything is very cobblestone. Everything is very older. And it's also a city where we park. They had us staying in these apartments for three nights. We were in Liverpool for three full nights. So a lot of this is going to cover a long time there. Yes. Yes, it is. And I'd already been gone for a full day into London. I was a little homesick by the end of this and I get to take AJ to Japan and it means so much. I'm, it has stressed both of us out tremendously. We're going to make it. We're going to be fine. We're going to Japan. Very excited. We get into the apartment there, and I said, let's go explore the city. This place is incredible. We start walking around, myself, uh, a lot of the people. We're all kind of wandering. We're wandering. And I'm with Ali Catch, and I'm with Cole Radrick at this point, and we find a Texas barbecue restaurant is the first thing we find. And it has an outdoor patio, so I was like, let's just sit out and look. And the first thing I think to myself is, this is a night city, all right? It has a very calm energy during the day, a little trashy, but but very. It, there's a beauty to it where, like, when me and AJ were walking around Atlanta one day, he was like, oh, it feels very dirty here today. And I said, I love the dirty and I love the clean. I love the mix of that in Atlanta. This has that same mix of, like, it's old, it's new, it's clean, it's dirty, it's hip, it's the past. It's got kind of everything going, and it's sort of all mashed together in this central area. And we sat down for barbecue, which I got to tell you, the meat's incredible. Really? Some of the best meat, the best wings I've eaten in a long time. The brisket was phenomenal. They don't know how to cook American Texas side dishes. They did not add salt. It was, they tried, they tried their best. It was admirable. It was admirable. But then you start seeing the prices, and now the the pound is worth a lot more than the dollar right now. So, you know, when you see something, oh, it's a pound, it's still more than it would be for a dollar. But I'm telling you, it is so cheap over there for a lot of this stuff. When it comes to your vapes and your alcohol and your food and this, we enjoyed ourselves kindly. Now, everybody started to kind of meet up at this point. We had a show that night. I was not booked the first night on this show. Thank God. We all kind of got together, and you're able to walk down to the venue. I guess Liverpool has historically been a little of a a little more of an economic blight than a, a city like London would be. But the people were so excited. I mean, we got there at 5 p.m. to this venue. Shows at 8 p.m. or something. People are already lined up. And you have to understand that the British wrestling scene, COVID wasn't the only thing that wiped out the British wrestling scene. I feel like we have to make a little statement here. Because we've got a lot of wrestling to discuss. And I don't want to say that GCW brought the hope completely back to the British wrestling scene. But GCW brought the hope back to the British wrestling scene. Between the pandemic, between NXT UK locking up a lot of performers for not a lot of money, being pretty shitty about it too, locking them in pretty bad contracts and then not having them do anything. uh, And between speaking out and removing a lot of abusive people from the scene... The pandemic has not been kind to the wrestling scene in that time period. Not the pandemic itself, but the time period of the pandemic. And so what remains is kind of the people who are doing the right thing and the people that were working really hard and the people on the scene that like still care about wrestling. So we're kind of coming back to a scene that we thought, you know, I'm familiar with a lot of these wrestlers that we were running into. But to kind of see their point of view when we got there to say like, I don't think they were as sure of their wrestling as they should be. I don't think they were as sure of their wrestling as we are. And I think when we got there and we knew who they were and we knew who they were uh, because of their wrestling work, it was almost like everyone kind of opened up. 
and the spirit of this room between all of these British wrestlers who were coming in from all over the place, all of these American wrestlers who were coming in from all over the place, all of these people that were meeting for the first time and realizing that we all just love wrestling. We all just enjoy this. And that these matches, you know, I think everyone's stress has kind of went out the door. There's people waiting to get in again. The scene is back. I know I've seen matches from when Speedball Mike Bailey went over to the UK a while ago and, you know, there's 40, 50 people there. That's not a Speedball thing. That's just like, that's where the scene was. And now... We're packing four or 500 people into those same buildings. We are smashing as many people into these buildings as we can to the point where I can't even sell merch. I'm in the way of people being in there. And the first night I said, this is awesome. I don't have to wrestle the first night. I get to feel it out. And me personally, I'm a very, I'm, a, I'm an outward person. I'm a social person most of the time, but I like to see what's going on first. So I know what moves I can make. It's a little bit, uh, researchy. I like to know what's going on before I jump right into everything. Very Gemini of you. It's very Gemini of me. Now, I go upstairs to take a look at everything as the fans are piling in. First and foremost, though, they did a VIP meet and greet, which me and Allie did one the second day. But the first day, the VIP meet and greet was uh, Matt Cardona and Nick Wayne. And Matt Cardona was letting fans pose with his internet championship belt. Now, I don't want to sound like, and I will. This is why I started feeling like a diva, Peter, okay? I didn't know what my reception would be in the UK. I want to be perfectly fucking clear. I am fucking over in the UK. <laughs> I am super fucking over in the UK. At this point, someone had keyed me into where some marijuana might be. So I smoked a little marijuana inside of the building. It wasn't wrestling. And I walked inside the side door where the smoking entrance was. The entire meet and greet line turns around and I start taking pictures. And I'm going, oh, fuck. I'm taking away from the meet and greet line. So I decide, let's just bring the attention back to them. I don't want to not take pictures of these people, but also I'm going to be here for three days. Are you coming to all the shows? They're coming to all the shows. Let me, let's get this together. I'm pretty stoned for the first time in a while. Let's figure this out. I'll go up to the meet and greet to divert it. And I walk up to Matt Cardona and Nick Wayne and I go, Mr. Cardona, could I hold the belt for our picture? And he goes, oh, dude, are you kidding me? And I take that internet championship belt, the one I had won before and I look down at it and I go, Oh, good. You got all the sticker shit off that I left on there. And he's like, bro. And I put it back down. I finally got to see that picture. He posted it himself. Hilarious. I'm just like, I turned the meet and greet around. Sorry for taking away from your meet and greet, kids. I saw a lot of comments that said Taylor is fine, which. It is. I've I've started introducing myself. They go, do you go by Effie or Taylor? I go, well, you can call either and I won't respond. That's, I can't help it. It's full ADD Gemini magic. I don't know. I said, let me get out of the way. I'm a distraction. I didn't realize how much of a distraction I would be. I know I'm a distraction at a US indie show, but I figured like, I'm going to go earn it in the UK and show them what I'm all about. They already fucking knew, Peter. We love the Twitch stream. We love the Twitch stream, Effie. We love your work. We loved your match with Moxley. What a fucking great match. And so you're learning that like, holy fuck, I wasn't kidding. I talk a lot of shit where I say I have better distribution than most TV companies. Boy, do I. Uh, Around the world, they're ready for Effie. I don't know what the Japan response is going to be, but I can tell you this. If I stay longer than 10 days, they're going to make me the prime minister. Oh, hey. I go upstairs, and who am I greeted by? None other than the beautiful, wonderful Welsh god. He's my number one Welsh boy. My number two Welsh boy is Drew Parker. Number one Welsh boy, Shay Purser. Now, Shay got to come over to the U.S., for Effie's Big Gay Brunch in Dallas. He did some Shea Fu. Shea Purser has a history of British wrestling. He was one of the few people trained by Pete Dunne, now known as Butch. Vince made him change his name to Butch from Pete Dunne. Ugh. And he made him wear suspenders. 
I'm glad Vince is gone. God bless. I hope Triple H can. Pete Dunne is an incredible wrestler, and he not only trained Shea Purser. I think there's Shea told me there's only two wrestlers who can claim Pete Dunne as their trainer, and it's him and Millie McKenzie who fought Ali Catcher on one of the days. We're not rushing through any of this. We have so much to talk about, Peter. So Shay greets me, and who is sitting next to Shay? But the OJMO, the Ojmo, Michael Oku, who I got to see at Garden State Wrestling the other day. So now I'm getting to see him in his home turf. And Vaughn Vertigo from Canada. And I said, what? You're here? And he said, yeah, I'm here for weeks, dude. I just come over and work here. Awesome. So we're all chilling at the table. Now here's where it gets weird. Shay goes, look over there. And I look, and the building's packed out. The show's starting. It's British wrestling legend Marty Jones. I don't think you know who that is, but Marty Jones trained William Regal, who is in the Blackpool Combat Club, who is now one of the like main managers of John Moxley and Wheeler Yuta and Brian Danielson. He's the real serious guy in the suit. Yes. Okay. He trained that guy. I've seen him on Twitter. So him and Johnny Sane are sort of like the fathers of British wrestling. And luckily, you know, the guys kind of knew him and they came and introduced and we talked to him a bit. And the magic of it was this, you know, we said, we were kind of talking to him about if he likes the modern wrestling. You know, Tony Deppin brought that up. Do you like modern wrestling? And he goes, boys, I like all wrestling. He says, I like watching all of it. It's all fun. Taking everything you can. I love the blood. I love the silly. I love the, the grappling. And to kind of hear that from a legend, you know, usually the legends are like, you kids are doing it wrong. You're not doing it right. He said, watch all the wrestling. And he sat there and luckily too, Nick Wayne's mom uh, was married to Buddy Wayne and she knows everyone from the wrestling scene. And so she was able to make that kind of connection as well. And having her there is really magical just because she's cool. She likes to shop and have fun, but she knows everything and everyone about wrestling. And like we can, we, she's closer to my age than I am to Nick, Nick's age. Nick is 17. I think she might be 37. So like I'm there's, we have a five year age difference and I have a what age difference with Nick Wayne. Like Nick Wayne could be my son. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. But you're like, good on you kid. I want to shout out a lot of the wrestlers that were there though. And we'll kind of get through it. Um, I've watched a lot of these guys from a distance, but to see them in person is fucking incredible. Guys like big F and Joe, uh, Drilla Dan Maloney, who's one of the funniest. There's a story with him coming later that He's one of the funniest dudes I've ever seen in my whole life. And he's from Birmingham. He's from Birmingham. The 0121. Him and Doris and a new cat. They're all from Birmingham. And he said, he said, bruv, I think I think I could take a, two, a few knives to me. I'm from Birmingham. I'm not nervous about that. He's crazy. Uh, the, the, the real man, though, that I want to talk about is, is Doris. A man like Doris. Doris comes out rapping. Doris comes out doing his 0121 stick. Doris is jacked as fuck. Doris has all the smile and charisma. I got to watch him wrestle all weekend. Y'all, please bring Doris to the United States. That dude is the motherfucking, he's incredible. He was so magic. I got to watch him work Cardona that first night. And their match was fucking ridiculous and magical. Now, that wasn't the standout match for me, though. Uh... As you said, Liverpool's famous for a lot of things, and I partook in some of them. Ali Catch versus Session Moth Martina. Now, my first match in the UK was against the Session Moth Martina on that Friday, but I got to first see Session Moth versus my bussy tag team partner, Ali Catch. Ali fancies herself uh, a bit of a pansexual like I do. Now, obviously, Effie's big gay brunch. 
I'm I'm more gay than I am straight. Trust me, folks. We can do the we can do the objective statistic numbers. I'm very much more gay. But I've had my trysts with women before, and I will have them again on this trip. Allie and myself have often joked that like if you have any bisexual urge in your heart, we'll find a way to get it out of you. <laughs> in one way or another, we'll find a way to get it out of you. The session moth. Are you familiar with the session moth, Peter? No. In uh, in Ireland, where she's from, the session moth. A session moth is a girl who's always at the bar. She's stuck to the bar. She wants to go have a sesh, a drink sesh. She's a moth to the light of the sesh. That's funny. And the session moth Martina is that. She is a party machine. She comes out to fucking sandstorm. She has a kendo stick, which is a kendo <laughs> stick with cans on it. And she also has, apparently, what I've been told, and what Allie would say, was a pussy that doesn't smell good. Because Allie tried to eat her pussy, and it backfired. They had a crazy match together. This was the match. And I talked to Marty yeah, Johnson after this match. I some clarification on that. This is, it was incredible. And British wrestling has always kind of been known for like, they're either known for the like cheeky grappling or just like complete absurdism. And the fans chant along to everything. They love all of it. I will say too, though, I did some commentary on the second night and they also just appreciate two dudes just like wrestling. They love that shit. But they're also up for a bit of cheeky fun. And those girls had some cheeky fucking fun. It was still an excellent wrestling match. Like all of that is still there. It's required to be there. Uh, but after the show, I was feeling a little antsy, you know? We got through the, through the night. I got to see everybody do everything. The match was phenomenal. Um, the whole show was phenomenal. I mean, it was cool. But also, I didn't have to do anything. I got to just hang out with everybody. I got to talk to all the British wrestlers. I got to take in all the fans. I got to go just speak to people about what I needed to do. We wandered the streets. We got back to the hotel, and it was pretty late, man. And I said, Shay, should we go out? And he said, of course we should go out. It's Liverpool. And we went out at about midnight, just to clarify. And we went to the first bar and I was like, this isn't popping off yet. And then we went to the second bar and I was like, this isn't popping off yet. And then we went to the gay bar and it was popping the fuck off. Now I have to clarify some things because somebody got dumb on Twitter. Joey Janela tweeted about all of us going to the gay bar together. This was Thursday night. We suggested that they come to the gay bar with us. We brought them with us. They came respectfully to the gay bar. They were not creating any kind of environment that was unsafe. They were dancing with me. We were having fun. We were buying people drinks. We were enjoying ourselves. Nobody was in the way. Joey was at the bar most of the time. We were having a bomb-ass time. Allie was, you know, being Allie. I don't know how much I'm allowed to reveal, but she did tweet about it. So, you know, she did live out. I'm called Effie, but if you've ever seen the show Skins... Uh, she lived Effie's life uh, out on the town that night. My favorite thing is seeing that you're trending on, trending on Twitter and uh, slipped in there will be some skins memes. Oh, yeah, of course, because they, they pick up on it. It's always going to be there. I always check my fame level by seeing how far down you have to look on a Google image search to see my picture. And I think it's come up in recent years because all the time and really – I've watched Skins. I was a fan of the show Skins. That is not why my name is Effie. I'm fucking cook. Yeah, she said I'm fucking cook. And she is fucking cook, but I can't get into it. I cried so much watching Skins, I can't get over it. If you Google EFFY and go to images, it used to be you had to scroll a way longer way down to see a picture of me. Now, you only have to scroll for like half a second to see a picture of me, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, also, when you go to the Wikipedia page for Effie from Skins, it says... Do you mean Effie wrestler? 
And there's no greater fucking pride in my soul than to have that scene. The gay bar got out of control. Now on the Patreon, you can see a video where we were in there and they had a bottle sucking contest where the drag queen had two teams come up and you had to put the bottle between your legs full of milk and whoever could suck all the milk out of the baby bottle first would win. And it was insane. And I hope that you go watch that on the Patreon. It's in the middle of that video. I don't know where. Peter, I want to bring this up. I used to be an alcoholic. All right. I don't drink anymore. I haven't had a drink in nine years. I still smoke weed. I still occasionally will try other things. I have found personally, as a grown adult at the age of 32, I cannot handle alcohol. I don't feel an itch for alcohol anymore. Now, there was a certain point on this trip where I was like, I could just have a couple beers and I'd be fine. I knew I would. I would not be fine. I am an alcoholic. I am clear on this. One thing I miss tremendously from my days of being an alcoholic, though, is going out dancing all fucking night. I used to do it all the time. You get drunk, you go out dancing all fucking night. I got to go out dancing all fucking night and not drink a bit of of anything and just dance and sweat and feel. And I didn't wrestle at all that first night. And I woke up so fucking sore because I danced for four and a half hours. They don't shut anything down there. And then when the bar shuts down, there's an after hours bar. And after that, there's an after hours bar. It's incredible. And I'm going to myself, this is a day city anyway. I don't need to be up until four o'clock. Let's dance. We all stayed out dancing. Now, there's a certain point I reached, though, where it's not even an Irish goodbye anymore. I guess it's an English goodbye. I hit the point and I go, I'm good. And I leave. And I tell everyone I'm leaving. And my phone has no service. And I'm in a city I've never been in before where we've just wandered to the gay district. And I'm soaking wet. Peter, I sweat a lot. I sweat a fucking lot. And I walked out of this gay club because I was like, I'm done. Like, it's like five in the morning. Like, I'm done. They're still dancing. (laughs) They stayed out. I don't care. I mean, there's only a couple more hours to go just based on Keep it going. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I said, let me see if I can do this. And I start wandering the streets of Liverpool at night. And I found my way back to this apartment. And I found my way back to bed magically, magically. But I was whistled at a lot on the streets. Little did I know I was kind of in danger, and we'll get to that later once again. I didn't, I am a dumb American who doesn't assume I'm ever in danger. All right. And especially, I'm like, they don't even have guns here. What are they going to do to me? What are you going to do to me? You don't even have guns here. I somehow found my way home, no map, no way, just wandering, following things to this apartment building, laid in the bed, went to sleep. We woke up the next day, barely alive. And Shay was there. They came back way later, and we just all plopped in beds. We were all just like a mess. And Allie was still sleeping. Cole was still sleeping. Everybody was still sleeping. I said, Shay, let's go see Liverpool in the day. And he was up already, so he took me out. We went and got coffee. Liverpool in that morning was a scene, dude. The first day when we got there, Thursday was like, oh, like people are getting ready. This was like the people who had forgotten to go home were still out in the street. There's vomit everywhere. There's just cans and vapes everywhere. The whole city's a whole fucking vape. Um, The first night, though, I forgot to bring this up. I was wearing my trackies, my Adidas pants. You cannot wear these because they are a signifier of Chav gang activity. Oh, no. So I was not allowed into the bar at first. I had to go back, and God bless. Look, I know we're feuding people, but welcome to the podcast. John Wayne Murdoch let me wear his jeans, and I don't want to give away too much. He actually wears really nice jeans. Like, if I told you the brand of these jeans, you'd be like, what? John Wayne Murdoch, death outlaw superstar? 
Yeah, he wears really nice jeans. He let me wear them out, so I was able to go out clubbing because John Wayne Murdoch gave me his jeans to do so. Because I was literally, even though the owner of the promotion like runs some of these bars in town, they were still like, we literally can't let you in in those pants. Like, it's a thing. So the next day we go, we get everybody's coffee. I saved you from some shit. He did save me from some shit. He saved my fucking life, I'm pretty sure. Um, we went to Greg's. Now, do you know about Greg's? No. Dog. This place, I it was t- someone told me they said it's just an, it's just a British Seven Eleven. No, ma'am. We went in there and got sausage rolls. They got vegan sausage rolls. They got coffee. They got orange juice. It's just the fastest little breakfast pasty spot. They don't call them pastries. They call them pasties, which is what I call the things you put on a titty. Mm-hmm. Pasties. I got a bunch of pasties. I got donuts. I got coffee. Then we went and got more coffee. I love the inappropriate words versus. Like what would be inappropriate over here is like a like uh yeah. I was told when we were moving over to the States you cannot call an eraser a rubber. Oh yeah, you can't call it a rubber. That's when that's right? when the sex talk happened because I was like, What's a condom? You're like, What are you talking about? <laughs> You're like, you know, when you don't want to make a baby. No, they were they don't put it that way. I don't know. Uh delicious. Now, I did I yeah, I did call someone there a cigarette hag and I said, Do the translation yourself. Beautiful. God. British terms. Fun as fuck. We loaded up on Greg's, me and Shay. They don't do iced coffee at the Greg's, so we had to go to another place for iced coffee, to which I ordered four iced coffees, three for me and one for Allie. I ordered four. I, I was insane. There's small. All the portions are small there yeah. for everything. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm I, American. I, I had a British friend come visit, and he was like, I'm really just here for the Arizona tea because he like, couldn't believe how big it They're was. They're giant. It's massive. It's <laughs> massive. We had to get our carbs up because today was the day I was going to be facing Martina. Now, after eating, after trying, you know, we showered, we got our lives in order. I can't say everybody was feeling great that day, but we were working towards it. And we got back to the venue again. And it is kind of absurd to do the same show at the same venue three days in a row. But this was technically the GCW standalone show. And even more people were outside, Peter. I cannot tell you how insane it was. And the British fans are so loud. And they have chants for everything. And you kind of have to let your matches breathe even more than you would. Because their participation is adding so much to it. And this GC Dub show is sick. I gotta be honest. It had Deathmatch. It had High Flying. It opened with Jordan Oliver versus Blake Christian. Both, you know, from the Americas. But able to compete there against each other. And able to show that kind of like... Standard, awesome, crazy, over-the-top, so many falsies GCW match that you're used to seeing in the States there in person for the British fans. And uh, I did commentary on a lot of that. Now, Peter, I often forget, I'm one of the best commentators in the whole world. And getting up there with someone like Emil J, who is one of the best broadcasters I've been with. He does all our intros. Uh, we were joking about how, like, you know, GCW shows are a party. If he wore a suit, he'd look like a dweeb, which is true. But we got to call commentary together for a while on some cool death match. We got to see Big F and Joe, Clint Margera do their death match thing. But the big moment of the night was me and Martina. Now, this match was supposed to happen in 2019 at a women's promotion in Texas. They did not let her in the country for some reason. This was around the time she was signing with Ring of Honor and things were going on big for Martina. But I kind of looked at Martina and I said, listen, they think we're filthy, Martina. They think we're disgusting. She said, I know, so let's be disgusting. And we were. And I said, Martina, what if, what if Effie was gay except for you? Except for you, he was straight. 
so we kind of put together this whole match where I thought I couldn't be tamed by this wild session moth. And speaking of commentary, if you go back to this match, uh, Allie catches on commentary and she kind of helps you through the motions of what's going on here. She tries her bance, as she calls it. Is it bance to dance on Martina? Bance, darling. It's a whole thing. I don't really understand it completely. I drank some tea, too. Also, I've been fucking up. We got to go back. The electric tea kettle? What the fuck, Peter? Are you familiar? I have one. Oh, my God. What have I been... Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. What have I been doing with my life? What am I doing? I have to get an electric kettle. Change my life. I mean, I have a cup of every day if I had an electric tea kettle. Okay. I turned straight in the match. <laughs> so she tries to grind on me. I'm just going to kind of give you the description. She tries to grind on me. doesn't work. You can see the gif on Twitter. No solid. I even looked down at my little soft, what do they call it over there? Uh, niblet or whatever. I looked at my little soft niblet. I said, it's not working. Knob. knob. Looked at my little soft knob. So it's not Which working. Which is why that whiskey, Knob's Creek, is just like the funniest thing in the world to them. Knob's Creek. That is funny. I did laugh. I did laugh at somebody at the funeral. This is going to sound really out of context, but I have to say it. I joked the whole time about like, I'm going to England. I want to see some foreskin. I was at the urinal with someone and I go, how come the only dick I've seen in England doesn't have foreskin at all? It was a, it's a joke. It was hilarious. Literally no foreskin. Well, I didn't see anything. I don't know what was going on. Martina puts her, I go to the classic Effie is trying to feel you out and intimidate you by sucking your dick in the ring to Martina and she pussy pops me right to the face and I pop back up and I have never felt this way before Peter and she does it again and I get up and I try to grab her and I don't think she knows what's going on yet she passes me she puts me up in an octopus stretch octopussy stretch and I get a whiff and Peter it felt like I was in college again you know I used to experiment with pussy in college I don't know if you knew that Back in the day before I uh, had a husband, I don't know, I tried things with girls. I had a few girls on my side. Went to, I went to bed with a few women. It wasn't for me. On this particular night, it fucking was for me. Little did she know, she awoke a dirty little straight boy inside of me. I, I popped up from that octopus hole that she got out of, and I looked at her. It's the straightest thing I've ever done. I looked up and I went, sup? And everybody knew then, Effie was straight. And at that point, I attempted to get her. And she went for one of her signature maneuvers, the Bronco Buster, where you put your pelvic area into my face, ride me with your pelvic area. She refused to give it to me because she knew it would only power me up stronger. But luckily, towards the later parts of the match, after all this actual wrestling and real straight Effie had come out and been a cool guy, she took the Kando I'm stick. terrified of straight Effie. Straight Effie, uh, you ever been to Carabas? It's like Olive Garden if your dad cared. Babe. I just want to tell you, your tits are fucking perkier than I remember. I don't want to be friends with Straight Effie. Straight Effie's horrible. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. You don't want to be friends with Straight Effie. That was the point here. We wanted to show how horrific it would be if Straight Effie came out. People still, Peter, people still think I'm pretending to be gay. They still think I'm hiring AJ to be my living partner and that I just, I'm a pussy hound. But I wanted to bring out pussy hound Effie just so people could see that like, this isn't what you want. This isn't what you need. <laughs> Now, go back and watch the match, though. There are still perfect parts of wrestling in this match. There's a fucking sick DDT we hit. We do all kinds of stuff. I do some fucking sweet moves, okay? She does sweet moves. She's incredible. Code breaker up into the Hurricane Rana? Fuck off. Fuck off. You know what's crazy about being a character wrestler? You have to be both a character 
and a wrestler. You have to be good at both instead of just jerking off wrist locks in front of people that paid to see Effie instead of you, you dumb motherfuckers. We'll get back to the wrist lock boys in a minute. My God. So Martina takes the kendo stick, which is a bunch of cans on the end of a kendo stick, and she sticks it right up my ass. Now, people know Effie, not typically a bottom. I've told this story before, well, last week. Um, the kendo stick awakened it inside of me, awakened it inside of me, and I was brought back to true Effie form, okay? And the polite way now I've figured it out is uh, electric, fantastic, forever yours. We'll get there when we're in the oh, that's cute. 50th anniversary edition. But it's still fuck you. It's still fuck you. Uh, it's also entertaining for families. Yeah, we've been there. Uh, the candlestick goes up my ass and is being vibrated in my ass. And I wake up and I squeeze it with my cheeks. And then I lick it. I lick the end of it. I pull it out of my ass and I lick it. And I wake up and I start beating the shit out of her with the candlestick. Because gay Effie, I'm pissed off that you even got that side out of me. Some other things happen. I sit on her face. One, two, three. I conquered it. I conquered my straightness. I conquered Martina. And I want to say to her, never, ever doubt your skills in a professional wrestling ring. Never let anyone tell you who you're supposed to be in a professional wrestling ring. The wrestling industry is fucked. It is fucked. Okay, we are not fucked. We are the mountain. There will be dipshits that come and go. There will be assholes who can't stop doing this on interviews because they're too pumped up on things, who can't keep their talent happy. If people they've got to suspend every once in a while, there'll be changes in regime. There'll be new companies, old companies, shit birds run out the door. But if you are true to yourself, and if you are true to your moral compass, which is yours, and for me, that involves doing real gay shit in front of people, but never invading people's space or putting myself in a position where I would abuse power or anything along those lines. Wrestling changes all the time. Trust your gut. I say this to all the British wrestlers there. I think what they saw from us was we came in with a sense of confidence. And we maybe didn't even have that when the pandemic started. We maybe didn't even have any of that when the pandemic started, but knowing my crew, my GCW crew that has been with me through this pandemic, your Cole Radricks, your Jordan Olivers, your Blake Christians, your Ali Catches, your Joey Janellas, your Jimmy Lloyds, your John Wayne Murdochs, your Alex Colones, these are guys who have worked their asses off through a pandemic, through a time where we were told not to wrestle, through a time where we were told we were not real wrestling, through a time where we were told that we were outlaw mud show bullshitters. We now are coming in with three years of, hey, they're all going to think what they want to think about us. They're going to think what they want to think about you. Trust your fucking gut. If the people love it, then it's real. If the people are showing up for it, then it's true. And to see that confidence boost happen across the kind of board of this roster meant the world to all of us, I think. Because there had to be a sense of hopelessness in this fucking scene. British wrestling felt fucking dead. It felt dead. It's very different than it used to be. And thank God. Because there are a lot of people who are still standing strong that were being held in positions that they shouldn't have been. I don't know how much you can get into it, but we went out on the town again, Peter. The show ended, and I said, baby, we're going out on the town. Now, Peter, we're going to get to a halfway point here. Martina came out with us. It was good. But um, we wandered upon something that I didn't really ever want to see. And I think sometimes with the rose-colored glasses, you have it. Shout out to TNT Wrestling. Fantastic. Great. Really took care of everybody. And I've got one more show there to go. Uh, we're leaving our apartment. And there was a whole kerfuffle happening. And somebody was laying in the road. with a lot of blood. And at first, we didn't really know what was going on. 
And I said, guys, we need to keep moving. They said, we want to look. I said, you don't want to look. And Peter, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying I like know everything, but I can feel energies. And I knew that guy was dead. That guy had just died. And he was stabbed to death right there in the street because he messed with the wrong people and was messing with them. I don't know what he was. I don't know what exactly he was doing, but he was stabbed to death right there. And the blood went everywhere. It's all over the place. Uh, There was a woman like screaming down by him. And, you know, I was conversing. I said, the guy is dead. We have to keep moving. And they said, I don't think he's dead. The police would be freaking out more than having an ambulance here. And I said, guys, they don't train the police here. The police are looking at each other going, don't make a scene of this right now. Cause then everybody's going to come up and we're talking midnight Liverpool. There's people out everywhere. They're drunk. They're sucking in nitrous balloons. They're hammered and they're vaping and more vans keep going down the street as we're walking away from it. And I'm going, they're going, look, they're going to help. I said, it's not it. We didn't get confirmation until much later, but the man was dead right there. Mm-hmm. And I knew it. And I think kind of when you take in these situations, you're like, whoa, uh, I didn't expect, I didn't expect for, that to be part of the trip. You never expect that. You don't expect to see that. And I didn't need the later confirmation. I mean, by 6 a.m. when we were coming back in, we already had confirmation. We knew everything had been moved and cleaned up. Um, but kind of that first gut feeling of like, we've been killing it in England for two days. We're going out on the town. We're Americans having fun. We're invincible. You know, the the stuff they warn you about, they're not just saying it because it's, oh, we want to scare the Americans while they're here and prank them. There's some real shit going on out there. There's some real scary shit going down in the streets and there's real gang activity going on in all of these places, be it Birmingham or England or London or Liverpool. Um, the energy was strange after that for the night. Uh, I kind of knew what was going on. Now I will say, you know, we did continue the night. We're going to continue the night. I think we're going to go to a few questions after this. It was, it was a harsh thing to see. It was, uh, I didn't, I didn't keep bringing up that I kind of knew. Like once I knew and I said, let's keep walking, you know, I don't even want to talk about it kind of a thing. Yeah. But people questioning, I don't think it was this. I don't think it was that. I, you know, even Joey, I said, Joey, just it's the guy who's dead. And he said, no, no, we're going to find out. I'm going to investigate. And they did investigate. He was dead. Um, I don't want to end on a moment of darkness. We have a lot more to discuss with England. We're kind of the halfway point, but it was a heavy moment. And I think that when we're out in these places, Sometimes it feels like you're just in an alternate reality. Like, oh, the boys are going to England. This is a place we go to wrestle. We just do a thing. Everything's fine. You're in the world. You're in the real world. Things are happening. We have to have a little caution. And I think that, you know, when you're entering a new territory that you're unfamiliar with, it's easy to just go take on the town and have the time. Uh, But also I think kind of the, there's almost a casualness to it because I think it happens quite often there, which makes you nervous. You'd think that if this happened kind of, pretty often that you'd be a little more careful, but the people of Liverpool are just out and about, you know, stamping through the streets drunker than I've ever seen people in my life. And maybe that's kind of a drink to cover it up because it's hard to live there, but I'd be, I'd be cautionary as fuck. And then I think back to the night before me, just like wandering through the streets alone going, I'll figure it out without even a phone on being cocky in myself and thinking that I had the magic and could find my way and having that American confidence of like, ah, Americans abroad, you know, like the against me song. We're Americans abroad. We do what we want. We party. We party. I mean, I think the reality of it is, is that like, if you're going to get stabbed, you're going to get stabbed. If you're going to get shot, you're going to get shot. It's two different 
issues, but it's the same general kind of thing. And you do have to live your like. I mean, we we live in Atlanta. There are shootings right. all the time here. Right. Um, it is. There's stuff all the time that happens. You're correct. But like you do ultimately at the end of the day have to live your life and go do things. It's true. And we did keep living and we did keep going. And I mean, I think that's what they were trying to uh, make sure that we did because they were not trying to draw attention to anything. But like in the U.S., they would have had that scene taped off so fast and had cops on it. And this was like, maybe if we downplay it and just stand here, there won't be a like it's a very different police response. And ACAB, baby, police in America can't stand them, hate them. I will say they would have been a little more efficient on this scene. I'm not sure the results would have been the same. Uh, it was, it was kind of bizarre. It was like if somebody spilled a milkshake at your job and you're like, uh, if we just kind of stand over here, we're not gonna have to clean it up kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It was very bizarre in that sense. Um, we ate after that. We did end up going to the club. We'll get into more of that in a minute, but, uh, yeah, pretty crazy to just kind yeah. of run into and have that be the sort of cornerstone of where your night begins before you get into the partying stuff, you know, pretty wild. Let's uh let's pivot and do some questions. Let's do some questions. And then next week, so next week's episode will be. I think we might put the because we're recording the second part of this tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna ask everyone on Patreon if they want to go ahead and get the bonus bonus and get two episodes yeah. in a week. Uh, we'll see about that. We'll see. We'll see. You may want to save a little bit for next week. I mean, we're gonna be in Japan for a long time, so I want to save some content for you. But I think we're even still going to do a little mini soda here. But we're at, we're at a good halfway stopping point where I've now witnessed a murder. Uh, dark shit, Peter. But all of England can't be fun and games. It has a history of murder. Uh, it happens. I will tell you this, just to be clear. I did ask everyone after, and we did sit down all together and have a conversation. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's something the GCW roster would do. But I think it's good to sit down and talk it out. Yeah. And, you know, we all witnessed it at different times uh, and we were in different groups and kind of in different places, but this was, you know, 20 feet from where our apartment was. So it's not, it's not like any of us could avoid it if we were even right. just going out to get food or something. Yeah. Um, also Patreon re- related. So flume, a log flume, my bad. That's totally a thing. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing we are wrong about is uh, apparently uh, brontosauruses are totally real. I still I saw that tweet. I don't believe it. All right. This sounds like Michael Crichton paid somebody to like clear it out. Did you know Michael Crichton's six nine? I saw that today. I'm disgusted. I had no idea. Somebody said he played for the wrong Raptors. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh Fuck I read, you, Michael Crichton. I, he was my favorite author when I was Oh, a kid. we love you, Michael Crichton. Um he did he did write this really weird book though that's about like nanobots possessing someone. What's it called? Um Oh shit! I, I want to say I've, I've read part of this book. Yeah, it's I don't. It's gonna bother me. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter though. Um, and okay. I just want to know for everyone: I did give up on trying to read the Silmarillion. I fucking can't do it. I, are you watching the show? Oh, I'm loving the show. The show's great. I can't read it. I tried. I gave because I was a big lord. Like one of the only American books that we had growing up um, that was in my parents' collection was like a nice leather bound copy of The Hobbit, which is like one of the first books I read on my I own. I mean, it looks cooler than a Bible if it's leather. It really does. I mean, it has a fucking the Bible didn't have dragons in it. Come on, smog. Uh, and then all the Lord of the Rings books. I was such a big fan of those. The first time I ever read the Lord of the Rings books, my mother read them to me. Can you believe that? When I was like, my mom, a wee yeah, child. same, same here, oh same my here. God. Yeah. Look at us, yeah. 
We have so many weird similarities, Peter. I love it. I live for it. Uh, I loved. I don't read him so much anymore, but I love fan. Like the, I saw that Disney movie, The Black Cauldron, and then found out oh, there's yeah. like a whole book series and just devoured all of those. I didn't know there was a book series of that. That sounds they're phenomenal. really dark. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, Disney does that. They kind of take fun versions of really dark movies. The, I mean, tales. Black Cauldron's pretty dark on it. So they were when they're in the production of that movie, they were told like, "Y'all need to scale this back. Like, calm this down. Is way You're too gonna intense. bring some darkness in." Um, pray pray okay yeah i read part of that it's it's like the the protagonist's wife keeps coming home and like taking a shower and he thinks that she's cheating on her but it's really these like nanobots that have taken over her body oh my god it's ridiculous okay yeah well okay uh this is from heather heather if you could do anything for love but you won't do that what would that be oh wow this is really intense Anything for love, but I won't do that. Meatloaf style. Oh my god! I get my answer is easy. Butt stuff. What? I'm not getting into this with you, Peter. All right. I think it would be like, oh, this is gonna. I don't know. I don't know what I wouldn't do. I'd do anything for my boy. I was even gonna say like I wouldn't drink a case of beer for him, but I'd do it. I don't care. I would do anything for that man. If you won't do that, I don't know if it's love. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's a lot of things I would do for my man. There's a lot of things I never thought I would do that I do. I guess, yeah, I guess I'm saying that answer as someone who's not in a relationship and is being very picky about yeah. that stuff at the moment. You know, I think it's funny still that, like, I can tell it's real love with me and AJ because even things like, this is going to sound so gross. He's going to hate that I say this. I'll come up and, like, bite his toes while he's wearing socks that he's been wearing all day. And he's like, you're disgusting. And I'm like, I don't care. He's like, they stink. I was like, it's your stink. I don't care. I love all of it. I love every bit of him. Uh, good, bad. I like when he's mean to me sometimes. I think it's great. I think more people should be mean to me. I started, I want to ask people to pass things out in line so that every 10th person is a little mean. There's not anything I don't think I would do for him. Uh, maybe we'll find out in Japan what I won't do for him. Uh, yeah, you do. Because ha- I was just looking at your Venus placement and it's in Taurus, which is ruled by Venus. So like, yeah. There's a lot of love flowing around your. My Venus is in Aquarius, which is very much like we can have a relationship, but you need to be over there. Where's AJ? Where's AJ's? That sounds um, a little like it right now. I don't know. I Get me his birth data. I will. I will. I have it. I have it. I'll get your birth data. He is. I will say this. He's right to be a little nervous about this trip and his his. Uh, the things he's brought up, he goes, the details keep changing or you don't have full details. And I go, how do you think I feel? This is, I'm always riding on the edge of my ass. I have no idea, but I think it's all going to work out fine. And luckily we're going over to Japan with a really good crew of people. So I think it'll, I think it'll have fun. Uh, also speaking of astrology stuff. Uh, so I did do, we're in the middle of Mercury retrograde right now. It's been terrible. Um, and I will have another astrology update coming soon this weekend, and it's going to be a little bit different just because we've had such a shit show. I'm going to be pointing out the best days coming up to do stuff and what to do on those days, um, just to give you all a little bit of an advantage on the times that we're in. I got to tell you, Peter, this Mercury in retrograde, we've got to have a bigger discussion on it, but I'm pretty sure they're level up moments for me because, I mean... I'm coming out. I'm coming out of this retrograde like a fucking soldier of life. You have some intense shit going on in your chart right now. Really sure. intense shit. Yeah, I can feel it, but I don't think it's bad intense shit. No, no, no. You, ha- I mean, you, I would say in general, you're, like your chart works really well, and you're well equipped to handle how everything. I mean, you 
it works beautifully. I'm jealous. Mine it's, is such a shit show. <laughs> I'm trying, but it's also, I know what comes ahead. And I know, and I'm in that, I'm out of the chrysalis now, man. I'm out of the cocoon. We're going. I'm going to go fight fucking Junkasai, dude. That's crazy. I can't fucking believe I got that singles match. Okay, let's do one more question. Yeah, please, please. Um, well, then we'll throw this one in there just because you almost you kind of already answered it. I absolutely love the mini vlog of uh, video logs. Uh, God, my brain is giving out on me. It's okay, Peter. It's okay. <laughs> Would Effie ever consider doing a full length one, or is the market too saturated for it to be of any benefit? Um, what is this in reference to? I'm sorry. Uh, like, the Patreon um, vlogs. Uh, well, they say like, we could do it full length. Give me something to talk about for that long. Cause literally I don't put any timing to the vlogs. I just talk about the other stuff I want to talk about kind of to their limit. So if you guys have suggestions for things you want us to talk about with those, I think this is more of the videos Oh, the videos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I will not do anything full length video. Here's why I think it's bullshit. I think narrative is bullshit. I think this is the best way to take it in. Um, I'm going to try to film more, but I don't want to do a whole like YouTube thing like they do. I want to give you splintered views of how I see the world. I want to give you splintered views of how I see everything. I don't want to give you full pictures. And also, this is the real fact of it. All right. I can tolerate people like Bailey because he's cute and he's very nice to me. All you other motherfuckers, I'm not getting paid for your fucking Patreon. So I'm not going to make everybody else be a part of this shit. I'm not going to make everybody else get interviewed for this shit. I'm not going to ask y'all dumb questions. I'm going to film what's going on in my world. I'll include Allie Catch because she's crazy. But part of this is like, I want that different style of like, you're not going to get the whole picture, but you're going to get these images that when you listen to the episode, you're going to go like, I kind of get a grip of what's going on there versus a whole Sammy Guevara style thing where like you have to be careful where you're at in the locker room because you don't know if he's filming or not. Yeah. I really don't like that. And especially with backstage scenes, it's the only place where we can kind of safely have discussions or have things where people can be out of their mask or you can be out of gimmick. I don't want to have to think about, oh, I can't film here, film that, film this. I want to take in these little parts of the world with the little video parts, film what I can, show you what I want, but I don't want it to be a big structured thing where it's like, Ethan Page's vlog where he has to like bring four people a week to the toy store. No offense, but it sounds fucking exhausting. And it sounds like I'm going to have to fake it. And guess what, folks? I don't fake it. I'm not faking anything anymore. I've promised myself that. The most exhausted I ever get is when I'm faking something, when I'm pretending to be a character, when I'm pretending to be something. When I am myself and people go, oh, Effie's such a great character. Y'all have no fucking idea. I'm, 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 I've let myself fully free, Peter. I am a free bird, baby. Uh, I'm not going to sit on there and, and form a polite version of myself to host a vlog. I do that on Twitch. We have fun together. That's sort of a long form. But these Patreon videos, I think, should be looked at as more of like a weird treasure map to what these extra things are that are going on in here. Uh, I'm glad you find them interesting, but I also think that the way I do them over time will be more interesting than a long form vlog where I have to sit around and edit things. I can't lose my mind any further. This is what I can handle, and I think it's the most interesting version of it. Yeah. I agree. I like there's the perspective that you get is very much an Effie perspective. It's chaos. Yeah. It's me. I have yeah. unmedicated ADHD. I, when you post one up before we record, I go and watch it and then I go watch it again after the episode just because the context, yeah. it's really interesting. I had a blast. And it like, it wouldn't be the same if it was like a super in-depth thing where you're like right. commenting or like and tying it in together. Like there's moments I'm walking around Liverpool and I'm going, Oh, I would love to film this right now, but I'm sweaty from dancing in the clubs. My phone has been dead for three hours and I don't feel a pressure 
that I didn't get that shot. I have other shots. I saw other things. This is a bonus that I want to give to people, but also like, it's not going to be the end of my life if I don't get a little footage at some place, you know, I'm going to get what I get and that's what you get. And that's part of the trip is this is as much as Effie could film while he's out there. It's crazy being Effie. I'm not overselling this. I've met a lot of people in my life. They're, they're, they're doing a lot of cool stuff. They're not Effie. It's crazy. So I'm proud that I even get anything on this fucking phone. I fixed my phone before I went to England so that it would be good to go. Uh, and hopefully Japan, I think, with a lot more Wi-Fi, I may be able to get in and stream a little more from when I'm there. But looking at this match schedule, it's going to be crazy. The whole night is going to be crazy. Oh. Peter, we're going to keep rolling. I'm going to let you just cut it there. I don't care. <laughs>